Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you for listening today to Hope Along the Journey podcast. Hi, I'm Mark Cravens, your podcast host, and it's a delight to have you with us as we interview at an extremely interesting guest today. It's great to have here by way of Zoom, uh, Stan Ellingson. Stan, welcome to the Hope Along the Journey podcast. Hey, Mark, it is exciting and glad to be a part of it. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you. And you're there in the backyard. Man, yeah. Doc, yeah. You're, you're taking it easy. <laughs> we're, we're I, thought, out, I got woods all around me. I'm outside. I'm listening to the birds and to you. Yeah, I hear a bird ever so often in the background. So my listeners know, you know, is that a bird I'm hearing? And it's like, yeah, that is a bird you're hearing. Well, those stay- are not fake sound effects. Those are the real deal. <laughs> well, for those of you who don't know Stan Ellingson, Stan uh, is married to his wife, Jan. They have four grown children and eight grandchildren. That's incredible. You are, you've been in Christian radio since 1978. You've pastored three churches. Uh, you've been at East Dayton Christian School since 2003, serving as the assistant principal, and all kinds of other exciting things have been part of your life. And so we're just so glad to have you, Stan. One, one of the things I often ask our guests, I, I will ask them, like, tell us some little-known claim to fame or fact or hobby or whatever it is. Tell our listeners something that maybe a lot of people don't know about you. Well, do you remember the Big Red Machine, the, the, the Great Reds team in the 1970s? Yes. I, I tried out for the Cincinnati Reds as a uh, high school student, 1970s. And Mark, I'll tell you what, let me tell you how close I was to making it. Okay. At, at one point in the drills at Riverfront Stadium, they had us doing races, uh, two people at a time. Mm-hmm. And as I was hitting the finish line on my particular race, I looked back over my shoulder and I saw the guy just a few steps behind me. And I thought, wow, this, this is great. I beat him. Because, you know, the Reds were looking for uh, speed and all like that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, and I'm not making this up, unfortunately, the guy that I was racing had already crossed the finish line and was signing the contract. The guy that was right behind me that I thought was my guy, he was a part of the next set of guys. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're not telling me you came in last. You're certainly, that's not. <laughs> I did Well, out of two people, I came in last and I almost, I almost lost the guys behind me. <laughs> <laughs> well, though I, I'm sure it's, it's it was a glorious experience just getting to try out, wasn't it? Yeah, it it, it really was. And uh, needless to say, you never saw me play for the Reds. I, I did not get a contract. Yeah, there you go. You weren't part of the big red machine at all, were you? No. Boy, they don't know what they missed out on, but you know that <laughs> that that's their loss. So, and they can be thankful for that. <laughs> No wonder they won a pennant, right? Into the World Series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> however, however, I was, I was 
uh, at one of the uh, 1975 World Series games. I was uh, right up in the <laughs> right up in the stands. My Is mother got right? tickets and took us. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's neat. Well, Stan, again, just so such a delight to have you here on the podcast. Great to be with you. I'd asked you earlier to just kind of share some of your your life with us, and because God has certainly given you a, a full life and. So many wonderful things have happened in your life and family, and and there's been some heartache and tragedy as well. But I'd like to just go back, talk a little bit about your childhood, about how you came to know Jesus, maybe even share a little bit about your brother Lee and how he came to know the Lord as well. Would you share some of that with our listeners? Absolutely. I'd be glad to. Mark, in order to know something about me, you really have to know something about uh, my grandparents, especially on my mother's side. Uh, the last name was Taylor. My uh, grandfather, Taylor, only lived in two homes in his life, the one he was born in and the one he built with his own hands. Uh, Grandpa was a simple, humble farmer, yet he was the first guy in the county to own a car. Uh, Grandpa uh, left a legacy. He didn't say a whole lot. He wasn't very talkative. But to this day, my brother Lee, myself, our cousins, we still feel the impact of of Grandpa, uh, Grandpa Taylor. Grandpa was one of the few that did not raise tobacco in North Carolina. And someone asked him one day why he didn't. And he said, well, uh, I, I've got to raise four girls instead of that. One time, Mark, uh, during w- one particular season, the, the rains were not coming. It was a drought. It was pretty bad. And uh, Grandpa got his wife, my grandma, and four daughters, including my mother, who was one of the four daughters around and they prayed for rain. And as they went out to the front yard, a neighbor came by this, this actually happened. A neighbor came by mm-hmm. and neighbors lived a far distance from each other and said to grandpa, what's the deal? And then grandpa mm-hmm. said, what do you mean? He said, well, it's raining on your property and not raining on mine. Grandpa said, well, <laughs> I, I don't know. A little bit later, a second neighbor from a different direction came and asked grandpa almost the same question. He said, what do you mean? He said, right near the property line, it is raining on your property. Now, grandpa had several hundred acres and so did the neighbors. And the neighbor said, but it's not raining on my property. A third neighbor came, Mark, that same day with the same scenario. Now, you and I know that the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust, Mm -hmm. but not that day. (laughs) And my grandpa in a different year with a drought it was, uh, it was very difficult, and he was in jeopardy of not paying the taxes on the house where they lived. So he took my Aunt Virginia back in the woods, mm-hmm. and I, li- I heard this actually from her. Now, all of my mother and, and uh, her three sisters, they're all in heaven now. Mm-hmm. But Aunt Virginia told us, she said, my dad, who was my grandpa, her dad, took us back in the woods, prayed a short, simple prayer for provision that God would, would provide the tax money. She said, when we walked back toward the house, standing on the front porch was a man who, when we arrived, said, Mr. Taylor, I don't know if you remember me, but about a year ago, you let me come onto your property and cut wood. Funny thing is, I'd forgotten about it until last night. And last night, I remembered I had never paid you. And he pulled out money. Mark, it wasn't just dollar bills. He also pulled out some change, and to the very penny, the exact amount needed to pay the taxes. Now, that's some of the heritage 
that we have. And that's the heritage that's that my mother grew up in. My mother and dad met, uh, met each other at God's Bible School. You've been a part of God's Bible School. I have. Yes. Uh, my, mm-hmm. my parents met there. My dad was called to preach uh, through a series of uh, very poor decisions. Uh, he ended up leaving God and leaving our family when we were a young age. Now, how I got saved? Well, it's, uh, here, here's how it went down. My mother uh, scraped together right after my dad had left enough money to send us to a Nazarene church camp. Mm-hmm. In order to do it, as she did without her grocery money that week. But during that week, a neighbor came by not knowing about our situation and brought her bread and tomatoes and asked her if she would like it. Now, my, that neighbor didn't know that my mother loved bread and tomatoes. She loved tomato sandwiches, mm-hmm. and that's what sustained her that week. And Mark, that's during that week, I was at the back of a tabernacle at eight years old, and I felt the tug, which I couldn't really under, understand because I see our dad hadn't been letting us go to church. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of new to the whole thing. But I went to the altar, I knelt down, and to this day, one of the preachers that came by, I still don't understand why he asked me what he asked me, but here's, here's what he did. A bunch of people were at the altar, I was bowing my head at the altar. I didn't know what to do, but I was bowing my head at the altar because I saw everyone else doing it. I didn't right, know what I right. needed to do. Mm-hmm. And the preacher said, have you asked the Lord to save and sanctify you? Now, I don't know why he asked both at the same time. <laughs> I had no clue what he was talking about. Uh-huh. None. I didn't want to look stupid. So I said, yes. And he walked on by. And when he was out of range, I bowed my head down again. And Mark, here's how I got saved. At eight years old, I bowed my head again. And I said, Lord, save and sanctify me, whatever that means. I had no clue. Mm -hmm. And God heard that little uneducated prayer from a little eight-year-old kid. And in spite of my lack of understanding, mm-hmm. he came into my heart and he transformed the trajectory of my life. Praise God. That is, that's so amazing. I mean, it, it is amazing to me how God, in his goodness and grace, he meets us at our level of understanding. Yeah. And because he's on our side, he's for us, he's not willing any perish, but that all would come to repentance and salvation. That's a beautiful story. And so later on, you were just you were baptized a couple of years later. Is that correct? Yeah, a couple of years later, uh, there's a guy that's played an important role in the life of my brother Lee and me, Emery Wilkerson. He was the junior boys Sunday school teacher, Mark, not the junior high boys Sunday school teacher, the junior boys. So it was like the, you know, the eight, nine, nine year olds. My brother went through his class, I went through his class. Let me tell you a moment about Emery Wilkerson, because this is how God positions people and fits the puzzle together. And God is under no obligation to explain to us why he's using us or not using us the, the way he does. Emery Wilkerson felt called of God to preach. The best he could get was a local preacher's license. And for some reason, I don't know why, he was never offered a church. And he always felt... Uh, kind of discouraged. We didn't know that as boys, but we found out that later from uh, from his wife. Now, when we would go into his class, uh, there are some principles that he showed us that to this day, I've never gotten away from. 
I can't remember except for one Sunday school lesson exactly what he taught, but I remember the life impact he made, uh, he made on us. We had several boys in the class, but on one particular Sunday, I was the only boy who showed up. <laughs> just, that's just the way it was. <laughs> Emery Wilkerson saying, well, it's just you, you know, let's uh, combine with another class, whatever. Mark, he got up and taught me like he had a classroom full. That's amazing. Yeah. You, you know what that you know yeah. that for a little boy like that, I felt. I, uh, I, I felt like I was important. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, I just had a dad who had left, mm-hmm. but but Emory Wilkerson came came through, and God, as it turned out, Emory Wilkerson uh, uh, was a preacher. He didn't realize it, but his pulpit That's was right. not up in the That's main right. sanctuary. His pulpit was in that little class. Now, the second thing that we I picked up from Emory Wilkerson is this principle. Never take something away from someone unless you give them something better. Now, this is what led to me being baptized. Emory Wilkerson would tell us, he'd, he'd tell us real nicely, but he'd say, you know, guys, you, like, you all like to go swimming, right? And we said, oh, yeah. And he'd say, you know, people don't necessarily dress modestly when they go out. Uh, whatever, but, and he wasn't, he wasn't rich, Mark. He, he, he wasn't wealthy. He worked at something called the duck and cordage mill. Okay. Whatever that is. <laughs> whatever that is. Right. Mill. Yeah. Uh, he was just making, uh, you know, not, not very yeah. much money. And at his own expense in the late sixties, he had built a, an above ground swimming pool. And he said, I'm going to have the boys from the church come one night and the girls on another night, families on other nights. Well, he opened that up for baptisms. And as it turned out, on a Sunday afternoon, July the 20th, 1969, 10 years old, I was one of the ones who was baptized. And um, then that night, we went back to church. And then after church, we went home. We sat in front of our little three-inch TV screen or however. You know, they weren't big back in the day, black and white. (laughs) No, they weren't. We watched watched man first land on the moon. So it was one small step for man and one giant savior for me on that same day. <laughs> That's incredible. And what, you know, I think about that gentleman's influence and I think about, you know, how he felt defeated and discouraged. And yet what an eternal investment he made in your life. And to absolutely this, to this in day, fact, you're still impacted by it. Well, in, in that class, uh, we had, as far as we had several come out of that class that ended up being preachers and uh, m- missionaries. So what happened was instead of him, the Lord using, the Lord did put that call on him, Mark, mm-hmm. on Emory mm-hmm. Walker sin, but God used him in a different way than he anticipated. And his, inf- he, he passed away several years ago. In fact, I think it was about 2003, 2004, maybe mm-hmm. uh, we were driving from Ohio to do a little vacation in Florida and he was living in Georgia. And I said to the family, let's stop by unannounced. Let's just see if we can say hi to Emory Wilkerson on the way. Well, uh, he opened the door that morning and we visited a little bit. And he said to me something, Mark, he said, Stan, I have not missed one day praying for you since you left my junior boys class. And that had been like wow. 20 years earlier. That's powerful. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's amazing. And I, and I think that encourages so many people who may be listening today who may feel like the ministry they have seems small, 
and little known, but I, I think about that song, but little as much of God is in it. And, and that's the story of his life and the impact, like you said, so many that have came through his class that are now out and have been out in ministry. What a beautiful legacy that he had. So, so what you just shared there, that goes back to my, my mother then, who, after my dad left, she felt she had been called to be a, a preacher's wife. Mm-hmm. Well, when the preacher decides to leave God and leave his family, uh, her, her um, uh, hopes were dashed, but her, but her purpose wasn't. And right. as it turned right. out, God did not use her as a preacher's wife, but used my mother as a, as a uh, preacher's mother for both my brother and me. She would pray for mm-hmm. us, and she had a ministry through her sons that she was not able to have with her husband. Mm-hmm. Tell us just a little bit now. I mentioned your brother Lee. Just give us a, just a little snippet about Lee and about his conversion as well. Can you give us just a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, Lee is four years older than I. It's just Lee and me. That kind of rhymes. There you have it. No sisters, no other brothers. Uh, I think uh, my mom and dad had the philosophy: if at first you don't succeed, you try again. So they had Lee, and then they, they got me. Now, if Lee were here. Uh, he would say, you don't succeed the second time you quit. So that's fantastic. Oh, I was thinking, you know, when you have success, you stop, you know? So, <laughs> so uh, after my grandpa Taylor, whom we've already referenced, mm-hmm. went to heaven in 1969, my brother was sent to stay with Grandma Taylor that summer, the summer of 69. Of, uh, it would be the, the same summer that I got baptized, but my brother was in North Carolina and he was helping grandma out because grandpa had just died. Lee was uh, struggling with, with yielding to the Lord. And at that time, I believe Lee was uh, 14. Uh, Yes, he would have turned 15 later in the summer. So I think he was 14. And in July, in fact, it was July 7, 1969 in the upstairs bedroom of the home that my grandpa Taylor had built with his own hands. It was in July, Mark, in North Carolina, no AC, second floor. You do the math on the temperature. It was Mm -hmm. over 100. And the Lord got a hold of Lee's heart, leading out by an old chair and yielded to the Lord. And uh, very soon, in fact, within the same month, preached his first sermon. He wasn't looking to preach. But he was asked to preach, and all of a sudden they put him on the preaching, uh, you know, going everywhere. And the first thing he knew, he was preaching revivals 51 weeks out of the year for two or three straight uh, years. And if it weren't for Lee being an evangelist, I never would have met my wife, Jan, because he, Mm -hmm. one of his revivals was uh, for a little Church of Christ and Christian Union in Ohio. And as it turned out, uh, that's how I that's how I met Jan, my my wife, uh, through uh, through Lee being uh, uh, having revivals there. That's incredible. And he just retired after, you know, roughly how many years of ministry, pastoring, and well, he, te- he's he technically retired, but he's he's still going. Uh, <laughs> he, he's been in ministry for over fifty years. Yeah, he uh, he's getting ready to, to to wrap up his his pastorate. He officially retired at the district assembly. Uh, but uh, in Colorado, they're gonna mm-hmm. he's gonna retire, and then they're gonna move to um, to Oklahoma. Wow. But you know, it, it was uh, Lee preaching that Silver Heights camp. That's how yes. uh, 
Pugh and he and I all met back in the 1970s. That's right. That's right. And it was what it was under his ministry as a boy, 11, 12 years of age that I was called to preach. I That's felt, incredible. yeah, I sitting there, I'll never forget hearing him preach. And it dawned upon me that that's what God wanted for my life. Now, sadly, I, I didn't answer the call to preach till I was 17, but I go back to that Silver Heights camp, and you and your brother and your influence, um, and I was at that critical age where I was looking for heroes, and in my eyes, you guys were heroes, and and I just, I don't know how to explain it, but as he was preaching, it became apparent to me this was God's plan for my life as well, was to be a pastor, a preacher, be in ministry. So Look yeah, God ties everything together. And <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, we see from Job that God is under no obligation to explain to us ahead of time what He's up to and what His plan is. I kind of, I, I think it'd be neat, but a lot, if He would. But a lot of times afterwards, you see why and how paths crossed, mm-hmm. how someone was in your sphere, and most of us. I dare say our listeners and you and me and most of us at points deal with discouragement or, or deal with yes. things not really making much of an impact or not being used the way God wants to use us. But I think there's a prayer that becomes beneficial. Uh, we've heard, uh, be willing to say, Lord, use me. But I think it's as important as to, to pray the prayer, Lord, don't use me as you wish, as well as use me as you wish. Misuse me as you wish, if it looks like misuse to me, or even abuse me. Now, I want to be careful with that mm-hmm. that word. And what I mean is, sometimes we think the Lord's not doing us right. And yet mm-hmm. the Lord may be having us do exactly what we needed needed to do. Some That's of the right. hardest that you've had to deal with, I've had to deal with, and each one listening has had to deal with, has made us into the people we are, sometimes with the empathy and the understanding. Yes. Uh, that we would not have had otherwise. That's right. And God is, you know, God uses our pain. God uses our suffering. God uses the junk in our life that he's redeemed <laughs> and brought healing through. And and it all ends up being used for his glory. And And like we've already shared sometimes, and I think maybe more times than not, we never see the fruit of all of our labors. We never see the crop that is going to be yielded from the seeds that we have sown. And sometimes I'm sure like, like you and your brother, you walk away and you have no idea that there's this 11, 12 year old boy sitting there whose life is going to be forever changed because you being at Silver Heights camp mm-hmm. and you know, who knows? And, and, and how many other stories are out there like that, but God, God's word tells us that if we will just keep on being faithful and, due season, we will reap if we don't faint and give up. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about Christian radio for you. I'd like to just get a couple of minutes here, two or three minutes, maybe just how did you get into Christian radio and what that, what's that been like for you? Well, it's pretty crazy for a guy who was in second grade and had a speech impediment. Partly I had the speech impediment because of, of my dad and not, not feeling like I could say anything or too scared to speak when I when I did when I was in second grade. Uh, somebody don't don't remember who it was, but thank God for whoever it was took me out of class and they play pickup sticks with me. I thought I was getting out of class to have fun, 
they were having conversation with me and not making fun of me and getting me to learn how to how to uh, talk. I was extremely shy. I uh, didn't have any kind of confidence, uh, but I was, you, you know, like in church, you'd have to get up and be in a little kid's play or whatever, and I just dreaded that. But God was preparing me to use me the way he wanted. Uh, I loved listening to radio. And mm-hmm. so back in the day, back in the 70s, you had to get an FCC license. You're not required right. to do that now. And I studied for it. I took the test and I didn't pass it, the math portion by a little bit. And so I studied again and did it. And then I walked in to, to a radio station in Northern Kentucky that serviced Cincinnati. It's no longer a Christian station, that one. But I walked in unannounced and asked to see the, the uh, manager. So they let me in and I said to him, um, I said, I'd like to see if I get a job. And he kind of looked at me smiling and, you know, kind of like, yeah, he was courteous, but he said, you have any experience? And I said, well, no. And he said, well, he said, you have your FCC license. And at that time I didn't. He's so to kind of get me out of there, but he was nice about it. He said, go get your FCC license. Come back and see me when you've got it. So I took him at his word. He was just trying to get rid of me. I, that's when I went and studied, got my FCC license. I came back mm-hmm. uh, sometime later, uh, did not make an appointment. And Mark, the reason I didn't make an appointment, I figured they'd say no. So sometimes <laughs> you've got to get your foot in the door before they can get out. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I yes. went in and I asked if I could see the manager and I was already there. And so I went in and he kind of looked up and I think he remembered me. And I said, you told me to come back when I had my FCC license. And yeah. And yeah. I laid it down on his desk <laughs> and he smiled and he looked up at me, the guy with no experience. He said, well, you know, as a matter of fact, our overnight guy just, just resigned. Would you like to do that? And I said, sure. What's the hours? One to six in the morning, weekdays. <laughs> so they put me in trained me and that's how I got my start. Now, Mark, my very first day, my very first day in Christian radio. Okay. Um, I had music up until 530. And then I don't know if you remember, some of our listeners have been around a while will remember Cash Ambergy from South Lebanon, Ohio. Uh, he he was a preacher, but he also had this business mm-hmm. and he had this gravelly voice. This is Cash Ambergy from South Lebanon, Ohio. Follow the cars, follow the people. You know, he kind of kind of <laughs> talked like that. So he had a program from 530 to 6. My first day on the radio now, remember? Okay. Mm-hmm, right. So I'm trying to time it out right. And I queue up back in those days, you had a real to real tape. I queued it up. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I heard his voice and I backed, backed it up. And I thought, okay, I've got a time perfectly to hit the news at six o'clock for the next guy. And when I put it on the air, the first words out of Cash Amberg's mouth was, attention, engineer, the countdown will begin in three. Two. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting there dying, going, I guess next time I can't uh, what to say. Well, I threw the timing off at the top of uh, at the top there at six. The next guy came in was the chief engineer of the station. I found out that he was not a he wasn't a follower of the Lord, but they had hired him because he was a good engineer. So he comes in, he's never seen me before. I've never seen him before. He's looking at the clock and Cash Amberty is going past the time. And so I've, I've messed it all up. And he looks at me, Mark, and he says, what's the matter with you? You've never been in radio before? He did it sarcastically. And right. I looked back and said, no, this is my first. 
<laughs> this is my first day. <laughs> he kind of, kind of let me off on that. Well, the journey has taken me. I've worked in the radio department at God's Bible School right, uh, for right. a few years. I've been uh, for a short time in Florida before, uh, right before we got, got married, uh, 27 years at WFCJ, and I serve now three to six weekdays, faithandfriendsradio.com, which mm -hmm. was the uh, first internet-based radio station in the nation to be on iHeartRadio. That was back in uh, August of 2014. And uh, I, I love uh, just being in radio. I've, I've only been in Christian radio, not any other kind of radio. Mm -hmm. That's neat. So you're now tell us like what right now you're still with Faith and Friends Radio and what, what times or hours are you on or how does that work? Okay, I uh, I still I serve full time as an assistant principal at State and Christian School, and then I go and I'm on three to six Eastern, faithandfriendsradio.com. It can be listened to on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio, uh, and it's a uh, it's an afternoon drive program. It's got music and uh, mm -hmm. you know whatever. I you just have to I guess tune in to figure yes. out what. It yeah, is. and I've listened to you many 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 times. You and I, one of the things we have in common, we both are AM buffs when we when i was young oh yeah. dang, am radio i used to listen to in louisville kentucky i used to listen to a guy named wayne perky and then he had a, another guy on there called gary burbank oh gary burbank. who eventually the, went the, to cincinnati yeah right who is no doubt the king of when it comes to entertainment and rate and radio am radio he's incredible um but i've turned 79 He's, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Uh, Gary is retired now, of course, from WLW, yes. but he, mm -hmm. he just turned 79 years old. Wow. Wow. He's, he was incredible. The man of, I don't know how many voices <laughs> yeah. was incredible. One more thing I want to try to squeeze in the podcast here before we wrap it up. I, I know that there was a period of time where you went into a communist country and smuggled in some Bibles. Could you share a little bit about that story? The Bible League in 1995 uh, selected radio stations across America. Most of them were networks like Kayla, Salem, whatever. We were the only independent station selected. And uh, the year before, Bill Nance from our station had gone. I was selected mm -hmm. from our station to go in 1995. And we went, uh, we, they flew us from, uh, uh, well, me, from Dayton into San Francisco, all of the broadcasters from around the country, there were about 16 of us, were in San Francisco. They then flew us into Hong Kong. Now, Mark, in 1995, Hong Kong was not under Chinese rule. It was still the British were, were running it. Okay. Then they flew us into, and that's back before you really had much of email. You had a little bit, but not much. Uh, internet wasn't really that much. They told us, for security reasons, don't be communicating with anybody, telling anybody about your trip, whatever. We... Um, each of us had large bags filled with Bibles. And when we arrived at the airport, uh, we actually arrived in Shanghai. We did, uh, over time, walk the Great Wall of China, mm -hmm. et cetera. In fact, let me tell a couple of things about that. When we arrived in China, there was like thousands of people. And it's kind of like this Walmart, except instead of Walmart now, where you only got two cashiers, they had, they had people <laughs> at every station. Right. And, and yet, they had found out that we were coming in smuggling Bibles and we got caught. Wow. What did they do? Well, 
because they did not want an international problem, uh, what they did was they said to us, in fact, when the guy was checking my bags, uh, he said, he spoke really good English, Chinese guard. He said, what's in your bags? And I said, oh, I have supplies and all. I tried to really kind of, uh, you know, blow it off a little bit. And then Mark, right. there was a book years ago, God Smuggler. Yes. And remember that mm -hmm. prayer in there where it said, in the Bible, you made blind eyes see. Now I pray you'll make seeing eyes blind. And I thought, this is so cool. I'm going and I prayed that prayer silently. Lord, when he opens up the, my suitcase, help his eyes to be blind mm -hmm. so he doesn't see the Bibles. And I was ready for the, the personal miracle. I thought, this is going to be so cool. He opened up my luggage and he said, oh, it's filled with Bibles. And I thought, <laughs> well, my prayer didn't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work. It sounds like a lot of my prayers. <laughs> okay. But then what they did was they allowed us to each keep two Bibles, one for personal use, okay. they said, one for evangelism. See how kind of tricky that was technically. It's kind of like if I would draw a circle around you and say, Mark, you have freedom to do whatever you want, as long as it's within that circle. Right. They, you, you can have freedom with the Bible, but only one for yourself and one for others. Now, what happened was, we knew they would be sold on the black market and the Bibles would end up getting out. Anyhow, we were followed by the PSB, the Public Service Bureau. Uh, wherever we went, we did lose them one day. And we were, see, we weren't in jeopardy, but what was happening is they were following us to see what Chinese Christians we would come in contact with. Then they would be in jeopardy. Wow. That was quite an experience for you, wasn't it? It, it was. And I tell you what uh, flipped me out a little bit. Well, in fact, one time, uh, we were on a bus and some Chinese Christians had walked three days by foot to meet with us just for 30 minutes to tell us wow. how much they needed Bibles. And all of us went back to our radio stations and raised thousands of dollars from our listeners to help buy the Bibles. But let me tell you what freaked me out. When we finished the trip and flew back from, at that point, Beijing back into Hong Kong, mm -hmm. we're sitting up in a restaurant in the hotel. And out of the corner of my eye, I see some guy at a table about four tables away looking over at us. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, you know, we're, we're not in China anymore. We're in uh, Hong Kong and China mm -hmm. doesn't run this right now. wonder what he's up to. And all of a sudden, Mark, he gets up from his table. He walks over to us and he looks at me and he says, are you Stan Ellingson? And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm in Hong Kong. Uh -huh. Nobody here should know me. And I mean, nobody. He smiled. He said, I'm Titus. I recognize that as a code name for one of the guys that was supposed to get our Bibles. He said, I overheard you talking. He said, I want you to know that while I'm in China and I've been here for a long time, I grew up in Trotwood, Ohio, in Dayton, oh, wow. mm -hmm. listening to you on the radio. And when I heard you, I thought, that's the guy from Dayton. Yeah. <laughs> over, over at Hong Kong. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Well, Stan, God has surely given you a, a full life, hasn't he? Uh, up, up to this point, and I hope there's, I hope there's more to come. <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah, and I know there are so many things we could we could share, and maybe sometime we can get you back on the podcast. But before we go, would I just like for you to just give a personal word of encouragement to somebody out there who who, who maybe they're discouraged, maybe. Maybe they feel like their life's a little off track or they're still trying to find God's will for their life. Would you just give a closing word of encouragement to those listeners? 
each one of us have to deal with things that sometimes we haven't asked for. And the heartache and hurt and the disappointment is so crushing that we don't really know if we can be of any use or if it's worth it or anything like that. And at times, we look like God doesn't care. It'll look like he stepped out of the picture, walked away, turned his back on us, uh, has forsaken us in spite of his promise never to forsake us. And that's what kind of messes with us. Mm-hmm. We, we know his right. promises, but, but it just doesn't look like he's coming through on his promises. God allows, he doesn't make, but he allows only what he allows. And Mark, and for our listeners, whatever comes to you and me has to first go through his, his hand. And he's using each one much more than what you realize. And sometimes, sometimes, even though we talk about the joy of the Lord and, and, and all that, sometimes it's in our deepest pain and it's in our deepest hurt that we are the best and most used by God. And it's so ironic because we don't feel like sharing. We don't feel like walking with him. We don't feel like ministering to someone and yet God's using us anyhow. Just hold on. He is faithful no matter what. Amen. Well, thank you, Stan. It's been great to have you on the Hope Along the Journey podcast today. And please tell your wife hello and give her greetings from us. Listeners, thank you for listening today. I hope that you heard what Stan just shared because these are so these are very important words, words that I hope God will use to encourage you and strengthen you. As I always say, if you look to Jesus, he will give you hope because Jesus is truly the hope of the world. God bless you and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about Hope Along the Journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more hope along the journey.